Welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli. I'm proud to partner with Pendleton Whiskey. Pendleton Whiskey just released its fourth annual We've Got Your Sixth Limited Edition Military Bottle to honor veterans of the United States Armed Forces. Pendleton Whiskey has pledged to donate $100,000 of proceeds to support the Bob Woodruff Foundation, which helps create healthy, positive futures for our service members, veterans, and their families. Go to PendletonWhiskey.com and check out their cocktails page, which provides a Western spin on your classic cocktails. All right, let's get to it. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli. I'm uh, joined uh, today by uh, uh, Ezekiel Mitchell, uh, 25 years old, uh, the only black bull rider in PBR uh, professional. Yeah. Is that correct? Uh, I guess at the least the B series or the team series level, yeah, I'm the only one. Only one. And uh, we, I, w- I want to dive into that. Uh, but, you know, 25 years old and you're, you're 36 in the world? Yeah. Does that ever sink in, dude? No, it kind of ticks me off, really. I like to be a lot higher than that, and I know I'm capable of being a lot higher than that. So, uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't sink in. I guess it, it never will. I've been riding bulls professionally for, I guess, four years now, four seasons, and I still don't believe that I get to do this every weekend as a job. I love that answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to anyone else, because there's a lot of bull riders out there that aren't ranked and would love to be in your position, but for you, it's it's not good enough. No. Uh yeah. I don't think I'd ever be good enough until I win the world. Is that the goal? Yeah, that's it. ultimately. Ultimately. You know, um, you, do you know who General Colin Powell is? Can't say yeah, yeah, you're, you're 25, <laughs> man. Uh, General Colin Powell uh, was a, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to get this incorrectly. I don't want to say he was the first black four-star general. Uh-huh. Uh, but he was probably, he will go down in history as one of the greatest generals in the U.S. military. Mm-hmm. And he was once asked, like, wow, or, or they sort of made a statement. They said, what does it feel like that you're going to go down in history as uh, one of the best black generals in the U.S. military? And he looked at him, and he was like, what does black have anything to do with it? Uh-huh. I want to be one of the best U.S. generals in the history of, uh, of the military. No. How does that make you feel? I feel, I feel the same exact way. Um, you know, uh, like I'm active on social media and stuff, and I'll post things, and people are like, oh, You'll be like one of the best black cowboys. And I was like, I don't want to be the best black cowboy or best black bull rider. I want to be one of the best bull riders, you know. Uh, I feel like uh, a lot of times in in our society now, especially too, we get really caught up in the whole race thing. And I just think we're all people and we all, you know, we're all God's children. So, Amen to that. You you know, the one unique thing about, and and I know you didn't serve in the military that I loved, is nobody cared if you were black or white, Mm -hmm. Hispanic or uh, Asian, uh, men or women. Uh, straight or gay, uh, if you were competent, if you were a great warrior, mm-hmm. that's how we saw you. Yeah. Simply as that. Not and, and you know there was there was great black uh, seals, there was great white seals, but at the end of the day, none of that mattered. Yeah. So if are you good at your job, and do you have my back, is all that mattered. So uh, interesting story. I know you're living in North Carolina right now, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But you were born uh, in Rockdale, Texas, for the. Uh, for the listeners, they probably have no idea where Rockdale is. Uh, walk, walk me in. Yeah, Rockdale is probably about the halfway point between Austin and Bryan College Station. Uh, so it's somewhere in central Texas. Yeah. A little bitty old town, probably population 3,000 people maybe at the most. At the most. <laughs> yeah. did, did you enjoy growing up there? Yeah, I did. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, growing up, I moved back and forth uh, with my mom and my dad. My mom lived in outside of Houston. Uh, but I had to say, I guess as a kid, being in Rockdale is more fun for me. You know, I was uh, always riding horses, and I was able just to be the kind of kid that I wanted to be. I felt like whenever I'd go live with my mom, I was kind of boxed in because uh, living in the city and, and neighborhoods and stuff like that, I, I really didn't like it that much. So I, I'm making an assumption here. Were, were your parents divorced at one point? Uh, yeah, they. Uh, I guess they were never really married. So yeah. uh, they were together, had uh, four beautiful children together, and uh, – after that, I guess it just didn't work out. They had to go their separate way. And uh, my mom ended up uh, with my stepdad, which I, I think of him as my second dad. I don't no think kidding. of him as good man. My, yeah, good man. Uh, but all my parents are great people. So um, I don't know. It's been a pretty cool life. I've, I've got to have a lot of strong men in my life. And uh, my mom is amazing, too. So 
How, how important do you think that is? Because I know there's a, there's there's a lot of discussion about you know the, the presence of a, a man in the home or, or a male uh, role model. Do you think that was pivotal to your sort of maturation as a as a as a man? Yeah, yeah. And uh, having two different dads, I guess it it made it even better because I had two perspectives on life uh, in two two ways. They both grew up, and um, I think it's always super important to have a father figure or a male figure in, in another guy's life. I've had a lot of male figures that have stepped up in my life and uh, really helped me out to be the man that I am today. Uh, if I didn't have their guidance, it's, it's the same way with kids that grow up in the streets, though, and choose a different life. If your male influence is the guy that's showing you something bad yeah. to do, then you're probably going to grow up to do the same thing. So, Yeah, we're, we are definitely a product of our yeah. coaches and mentors in life. Uh, either good or bad, uh, and we've seen it. It's you know the whole nature versus nurture. Have you ever heard that concept? Mm-hmm. Like you're either born with a skill, yeah, or it's developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe nature, uh, or I will minimize nature. It's all how we nurture the the, the young leaders yeah. uh, coming up. And, and I, I you notice I said the word young leaders. I don't care if there's a young teenager who's a man or a woman at the age of 15. That's like a future leader of our country. Yeah. And you've got to show them respect, whether you're 30, 40, 50, older than them, uh, and build them up, not, not, not push them down. But, uh, so I read that uh, you had 11 siblings total. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, uh, most of them still in Texas? Uh, I think pretty much all of them are still yeah. in Texas. Oh, no, I have a sister in Louisiana. But uh, besides that, yeah, I think – Everybody's pretty much still in Texas. So you're, you're back, you come back to Texas quite a bit, I'm assuming, to, to see your family? Or is, uh, it, is, it, is the rodeo yeah, dominating it, your life right now? Yeah, the rodeo. Uh, I try to get down here as much as possible and come see everybody. But uh, being gone every weekend, I don't really feel like flying here instead of going home. What, what, what is the life of a professional bull rider? Is that, I mean, is that pretty much 24-7, 365, or is there an off-season? Yeah. Uh, even when we have an off season, it's not really an off season. Yeah. The only time, uh, at least for me, the only time I'm really off is if I'm injured or something. Because um, I, I don't know, t- loving this sport so much, uh, can't really stay away from it. Even whenever we're supposed to have our off season or free time, we'll still go out and enter like the challenger events and like smaller events or hometown rodeo that's close to yeah. us or, or something. So um, I'm pretty much always going. In the sad realization, well, maybe it's not sad, but you know, it really, it really struck me when my career in the SEAL teams was over when I retired. Yeah, you, you only do have a, I don't want to say a small, but there, mm-hmm. you only have a window that you can compete for so long before age and, and the body say, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm done. Um, so you were mainly, if if I read this correctly, you focused on football and track in the early days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, I was really, really into track. I liked track a lot. Um, and uh, I was a distance runner, and I did hurdles and, like, everything pretty much. Uh, and I don't know. I, I really enjoyed track. And then the horses and rodeo and stuff took over and kind of forgot about football and, and track. So Interesting. So what was it about rodeo that just pulled you in? I don't know. From the time I was a kid, uh, I could never see myself doing anything else but being a cowboy. Uh, and we didn't grow up with a lot of money, but like whenever I, there's a guy there in our hometown in Rockdale uh, named Elias Green, <laughs> and uh, he pretty much gave me and my best friend our first horse, and we spent a bunch of time together just riding uh, horses and trying to train these little ponies for other kids in the neighborhoods and stuff. So uh, I don't know. It, it really just started consuming me then, and then I was like, man, I'm going to figure out what rodeo events I can do. So we taught ourselves how to rope. We made our own bucking barrels and stuff and bucked each other on them. And so I, I read this, you guys used car springs. Is this right? Yeah. I had one with a car spring. Um, I've had one, a few of them that just hung by ropes in yeah, a tree. Yes. And, um, yeah, we've, we've done tried and made and tried to make anything that we possibly could to make it work. But uh, with, the, with the car spring, did you guys weld or yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, Pretty much had a neighbor a few houses down that could weld, and uh, he was going to teach me. But he pretty much just did it all himself. And yeah, carried all the uh, all the pipe and stuff down there. And I can't even remember how I got all the pipe in the car springs, but 
found the car spring somewhere and he welded some plates together for us and I had to cut a hole in this plastic drum and set it over the top of it and try to screw it in. So it was a it was a whole other experience. You got pictures of it? I actually do have. I, I, I think I'm gonna have to see him later. Yeah, I think I have a picture of it on my Facebook for sure because yeah. uh, he'd come pick me up from Baytown and we had to haul that thing. Yeah. All it. I'm pretty sure it's still at one of my friend's house in their backyard, unless he gave it away. Yeah. But it's still sitting there. I had to drive it all the way back, and there was no way to take it apart. So there's like four foot of pipe hanging out of my dad's truck, headed down to Rockdale. So was uh, was Elias Green also a mentor coach? Yeah, oh, most definitely. Taught, uh, taught you how to take care of horses, ride. He was uh, pretty much the first person in my life that showed me like how to ranch and work cows and stuff like that. He had um, his own cows and, and horses and stuff like that. He has probably three or four places that different ranches that he owns, little plots of uh, acreage, I guess, and uh, he. He's pretty much who got us into bull riding, too. He had these big jersey steers, uh, pretty much. To, they were going to be fattening up and slaughter. And for some reason, we went out there one day, and we roped him out there in the middle of the pasture. And me and my buddy John would ride him across the pasture and the groups of the cows and stuff. And uh, that that was kind of my first experience with bull riding was just in the middle of a pasture. No kidding. Yeah. You know, I've always respected uh, the cowboy way of life, all the – Dude, I was born and raised in San, like San Francisco, the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So uh, riding horses or, or any of that or even farming or ranching was just not yeah. uh, organic to the area. But when I finally joined the mil- military, I joined the uh, the Marines first. You met all these kids from Texas, Louisiana, Kentucky, uh, Alabama that they either grew up on ranches, farming or, or something else. But they were the most disciplined people up early. They, you know, they had these just strong habits. They, they did not shy away from high like hard work mm-hmm. uh they had no problem getting dirty do you think that led to a lot of your your current habits that you have because i'm sure Elias green was very strict about hey you got to do things the right way you got to get them done yeah uh he yeah the main thing that i really took away from him is, is just the fact to have respect for animals and the things that you have and, and take mm-hmm. care of you know uh he had a old ford truck and that thing looked pretty much brand new pristine yeah pristine and uh drove it to the farm every day but he just made sure he took care of everything he had um and every vehicle that he had was nice everything had to be put in a certain place if you borrowed a a bridle or something make sure you put it back exactly where you found it because whenever he goes to look for it later and it's not in that spot you're yeah yeah, yeah, you're getting an earful uh when when you give your earful was it yelling or was it more like that brotherly love like hey i'm not I'm not upset. I'm disappointed. And you, you know the right thing to do, and you didn't do it. It depend. It depend on the day and how <laughs> how bad it Fair. was. Yeah, Fair. yeah. For the most part, he was. He just talked to us, and uh, you know, there there was a few times though he got pretty mad at us and yelled at us pretty good. But that's the, yeah, that, that's fair, man. That is, uh, hey, yeah. There was times uh, my old man did it with grace, and then there was times where he brought the. Uh, the hammer. Uh, so I did read, and, and I've got to verify this, that your initial step into bull riding didn't start in the fields or in a rink. It, it started in uh, on YouTube. Yeah. I, <laughs> explain, just walk me through that. Well, about that time that we were hanging out with uh, Mr. Green, uh, we were really trying to figure out what we wanted to do in rodeo. Me and my best friend there. And um, I don't know. I just started looking up. There's... I actually looked into a lot of rodeo events, but I just type in the basics of bull riding. And then somehow I uh, found this uh, YouTube page called Bull Rider Coach One or something like that. And then it was uh, Dustin, Elliott, Dustin Elliott and uh, Wiley Peterson. And they were just pretty much giving the basics on these drop barrels. And, and like, I'd just wait around every week until another episode would come out. And uh, sitting at home, I'd just try to get on those barrels we built and try to do the same thing initially that they were doing. It was almost like somebody was teaching me how to ride bulls, but I just wasn't face-to-face. Yeah, 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 virtually. Yeah. It, I mean, was the guidance they were putting out, the fundamentals, pretty sound? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, both of those guys, I believe they both made the PBR World Finals, the, the NFR and stuff like that. So uh, it definitely was, I don't know, it, it made it simple for me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it made a lot of sense. Um I really feel like they did a very good job of explaining bull riding. And 
I got a lot of, give them a lot of credit for, you know, they, they pretty, pretty much put me into the sport I'm in. Uh, and I got to meet Dustin Elliott uh, at the college finals okay. one year. And I was like, man, you taught me how to ride bulls and you don't even know it. Wait, so were you in the college finals? Yeah, I made the college finals uh, in bull riding two years in a row. Where, where, where'd you go to school? Uh, Hill College in Hillsboro, Texas. Hillsboro, Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and they've got a pretty established radio yeah. team? Yes, sir. Yeah. We, um, he's, Paul's probably been there. Our coach, Paul Brown, has probably been there 30 years or so. And uh, yeah, he's uh, had a lot of national champions and never had a national championship team, but we finished like second one year and okay. fourth. And yeah, he's gotten really close, but uh, hasn't got the win yet. But hope somebody can get it for him soon. Because he, he's good as gold. How, how did he find you? Um, another guy uh, that um, he used to put on a free bull riding school. <laughs> and I had met him. And uh, he really got to believe in me after a few years. And he was a really good mentor. He, If I sent him my videos or whatever, he pretty much helped me figure out how to fine-tune uh, my bull riding a lot. He, he was one of the biggest people in my life then at that point because he really believed in me. Um, and at the time, we uh, he was like, hey, there's this bull riding called the best in the South bull riding. They want to invite you. It's like the youth bull riding. It was like for uh, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and Texas. Competitive. Yeah, competitive. Yeah. And they were trying to see who had the best kids, I guess. And um, I was like, man, I don't have a vehicle. My parents ain't going to take me way out there. So he drove from this area. He lived in the Austin area, drove to Houston, picked me up, and then drove me all the way to Midland. And the middle the competition of the night, was. yeah, where the competition was, and um, when we were there, he was like, "Man, we should go check out this college, Odessa College. They got a rodeo team. You should start thinking about going to college." Because at that time, I'd been out of, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> I'd been out of high school for about a year. Yeah, and uh, I was not doing much. I was making a lot of money. I mean, riding these Ranging amateur rodeos, yeah. yeah. And we drove all the way out there, and he showed me Odessa College, and he was like. I'm just going to put you together a promo video of all your rides, and I'm just going to start sending them to sending them to coaches. And uh, he sent them to the coaching warden and Odessa and uh, Hills, Hill College, and then I still kind of drug my feet on it for a while. And I just I was going to go, but I wasn't ever going to go. And uh, Paul Brown, he was kind of nonchalant and let me go uh, pretty much the whole summer and – He'd call me, and I'd call him. It was like phone tag. Never really got each other on the yeah. phone. And he was like, hey, you know, if you still want to come to school, you can come to school. And I was like, man, I think I'll go. So I rode with his son up from South Texas to up to Hillsboro, and, uh, and the rest is kind of history on that deal. It sounds like you've had a lot of influential, influential people uh, in your life that help get you to where you are. And, and when a lot of people, you know, I've met some professionals who are the most arrogant people that feel they did on their own. Uh, I, I can get a sense from you that, you know, you, 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 you're very respectful of the fact that a lot of people help uh, get you here. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is that something you hold dear and you'll, you'll never forget? Yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, I always, whenever I was growing up, I always figured like I, I'd want to be famous for something. Yes. You know, and I always heard like money changes people or success changes people. Yeah. I feel like success does change people, but it, does. it doesn't always have to be in a negative way. Um, and I also believe that uh, being successful changes the people around you. Um, so, I don't know. You you got to be respectful and, and thankful for everything that you have and everybody that's helped you along the way. Because uh, I don't think there's a single person that's done anything on their own. Um, and I really like to give back to those people that have been there for me. I, you know, Zeke, you just said something that I've never heard before, and I just wrote that down, man. Uh, being successful may change you, but it also changes the people around you. That's that's powerful, man. Um, and I noticed, uh, and I've been told you have a uh, tattoo that says "blessed and motivated." Yep, it's right here. Why, why those two words? Uh, I don't know. It just kind of became a mantra for me whenever, uh, right around the time that I started riding really good, and uh, whenever I started going to college. Um, for some reason, everybody was posting on like on their bull riding videos or like hashtag bless. And then I was like, man, I'm blessed, but like I'm motivated. I'm motivated to be better. And I, I feel like for the longest, that's what I tell people. Like it's, I'm blessed just to be alive. So that motivates me to live another day. 
So um, I figured that'd be my first tattoo because it, I just started living by it. I'm blessed and motivated. And uh, I guess uh, I was just a hungry kid then that wanted to get to the point that I am today. So um, it's pretty cool to live by and I guess it'll be there forever. Yeah, it will. <laughs> well, God bless medicine if you want to get rid of it. Uh, yeah, a few lasers can... Uh, I've, I've had a few tattoos that are still getting lasered off. <laughs> I'm definitely getting some uh, ink. I was just with, uh, you know, who, uh, Dave Bautista is, the actor, wrestler, uh, Avengers. He's the big... Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, he, he just opened a uh, tattoo shop in Tampa, really? Florida, with, with a uh, famous tattoo artist, uh, John. So we just interviewed them. On Friday, um, amazing, amazing shop. So if you want more ink, we've got some uh, great artists I can yeah. refer you to. Well, hey, man, I, I know it hasn't been the smoothest ride it ever is. Where mm-hmm. there is success, usually there's adversity that shape us, shapes us. I know uh, life brought some unexpected challenges with Hurricane Harvey yeah. uh, in 2017. Walk, walk me through uh, what happened there and how it impacted your life. Yeah, uh, uh I, at the time I was in school, I was up here, uh, well, in Hillsboro, and um, got to call my mom and them, and I was talking to them, and I was like, hey, y'all probably should, you know, get up here or something. I'll buy y'all a room if y'all want to come. And she was like, I think we're just going to wait it out. So they did wait it out, um, and um, it got pretty bad, flooded pretty good. And uh, inside of the house, the drywall got ruined from the flooding, so uh, – to help my parents out, I, you know, took some of my own money and uh, sent it to them so they can start making the process of fixing the house or whether that or just helping the kids with school clothes like my siblings. Uh, I always just tried to make sure I took care of my family. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, I guess it was a big responsibility for a 19, 20-year-old kid, but it was uh, something that I felt that I needed to do um, because there's no way I'm going to let my siblings or my parents sit in the house with no walls, you know, so uh, whatever I had to do to help them out, that's what I was going to do. Yeah, I'd say that's <clears throat> that's pretty inspirational that a 19-year-old or 20-year-old is in a position to, to do that. Do you think the fact that you're in bull riding, yeah. that you were in that position to do that? Yeah, that was the craziest part about it. I had realized pretty early on, even before I started going to PBRs, like I was making just as much money or if not more than my parents were. You know, as as a nineteen, twenty year old kid, uh, and that was that was weird for me. Yeah, uh, and I almost felt obligated to do that. I should have been doing more, you know, uh, because I'm nineteen, twenty year old kid. So yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I don't think that ever goes away. You're always, even when you do good, you always ask yourself, "Could I do more?" Mm-hmm. And there is a point you got to take care of yourself as well. That's yeah. one thing I learned too late in my career. Yeah is, uh, you know, the Marine Corps teaches uh, uh, sort of a mantra that leaders eat last. So if you're in charge of a team, you make sure all your guys eat first. If gear comes in, they get the gear first, and if there's stuff left over, you get it. I took it to the extreme. And uh, always, and I don't want to sound overly uh, altruistic here, um, always made sure my guys were taken care of before I was. But Mm -hmm. it it went to a point where it wore me out. So if I can pass you anything, man, you've got to – take care of yourself as well in order to take better care. You just said it, mm. you know, being successful changes the people around you, but you got to make sure that you're balanced to a degree yeah. as well. Yeah. I'm learning that slowly, but surely now, uh, I, I do need to start taking care of myself a little better. Uh, especially now I'm 25, uh, and man, I'm getting old, yeah. 25 getting old, man. Well, what do you do? I mean, it's bull rider years, man. I'm yeah, like 60 in bull rider years. So that's true. I, I got to start taking care of myself and, uh, getting things settled in my life that I need because uh, I have goals and ambitions and plans after bull riding. I know that uh, bull riding won't last forever, and I honestly don't want to get a real job anymore. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to just enjoy my horses, and if I can make money off of them, yeah. that, that's the yeah, thing yeah, that yeah. I'd rather do. I mean, I guess it'd still be a job, but I'd I, enjoy it. I know what it. you're saying. Yeah. You don't want the uh, the office space, yeah, uh, no. eight to five behind a cubicle. I, yeah. yeah, no, I, thank you. I'm with you, brother. That's why, that's why I started my own company is uh, – I guess I can never be fired, but sometimes it feels like the people uh, on my team uh, might have that responsibility. Uh, they won't hesitate me to hesitate to tell me when I'm not pulling my uh, my weight. Yeah. Um, so you know what? I, I think this is pretty good. Uh, actually, no. Uh, actually, yeah. You know, I'm going to hold this until after the break, man. But uh, before we do a mid roll break, we ask 
what we call the hard questions. Um, so first one is, what is the hardest decision you've ever had to make? Um, I, I'd have to say uh, moving, from, moving away from Texas. Um, whenever, I guess, 2019, into 2019, mm-hmm. my rookie year, uh, I was living in Houston uh, with my cousin. Uh, we had a rent house that we were staying at. And uh, during that, that time, we had a, actually had a PBR event in Houston. And uh, Max, my agent, came over to the house uh, one morning, and there was friends of ours that are just laid out on the couch. The house is kind of dirty. Um, and he was like, man, how do you live like that? And I was like, I don't know. You know, they're friends, and you can't leave them behind. He was like, man – if you move, if you want to come up to North Carolina, I got a rent house that I own. You can you can stay there for free. I won't charge you anything. Just come on up and get away from everybody. Start taking care of yourself. Worry about Zeke. And I was like, all right. I drug my feet on that. I act like yeah, I'll, I'll be up there in a few weeks. Oh well, I got to do this and that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be there. And then next thing you know, I finally made the decision. I was like. You know, I'm just gonna go try it. I'm gonna see. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not even gonna take my vehicle up there. Leave my truck in Texas. I'm gonna fly up, spend a few weeks, and then I, I really realized that that was the best decision for me. Even though it seemed scary, and it yeah, it, like you're, you're leaving your yeah. your only network. You know, yeah. yeah. I have. I know no one here. I'm by myself. I'm all alone. Uh, but I decided to make that jump, and um, I, I don't regret it at all. Um, because I feel like it, it really ex- showed some some true colors on, on some people and uh, just the fact uh, like he, he told me whenever you leave here you'll be out of sight and out of mind yeah. people won't ask you for money no more and yeah. could not be more true so I guess I was only their friend whenever they it was convenient something. yeah, yeah. That, that happens <laughs> Did you, so you felt like you, like a lot of distractions just yeah. were removed and you, you became more laser focused mm-hmm. on I'm going to become number one in the world yeah you, you know, it reminds me, uh, you know, I'd be in like Iraq and this it was 2006. Um, and it was, it was a very, uh, combat heavy deployment. Mm-hmm. And I got a letter cause it was, we were deployed during the summer and buddy's like, it was, I think August 1st or around August. I got the letter. He's like, bro, you missed, you missed the biggest party in Lake Tahoe. It was a rager, you know, like drinking yeah. and women everywhere. And I'm like, and it, it hit me that I'm like, oh, I didn't miss anything, dude. Yeah. I'm exactly where I need to be surrounded by the guys who also believe in the same thing. Yeah. And we may be in the combat zone, but we're exactly where we need to be, man. Mm-hmm. It was, that, that was a, a sort of a, a revelation or a, a very particular moment uh, that impacted my life. Uh, second question is, uh, and one of the things we don't accept is no regrets. Mm-hmm. Everyone has regrets, man. Uh, that's like somebody saying, I've never, I never have doubts. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. We all have doubts. Yeah. The best leaders, the highest performers always had doubts. And if you, if you, if you really research into their lives and you talk to the people around them, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll validate that. Uh, what's the biggest regret of your life? Uh, yeah, I, I'd have to go with, I don't know, just not taking care of me, you know, uh, still, still not taking care of myself like I'm supposed to, you know, I feel like, um, my biggest regret is like the lack of discipline, the lack of, like the want to to do stuff, you know. Uh, I feel like I I haven't been the best me that I can be, and uh, I really want to find that that guy, the best me. You realize most twenty five year olds wouldn't say that. <laughs> they're, they're focused on hey, where's the next party and yeah. and, and enjoying uh, if they went to go college, post college, or that that's insane. And you call yourself well, you didn't say undisciplined. You said you're not as disciplined as you would like to be. Mm-hmm. If I went and spoke to people that know you. Would they probably describe you as like insanely disciplined in their eyes? I don't know. I don't think so. No. Uh, some some people would, I guess. Not. Uh, I, I. Let, let me ask you this: Do you do you feel like you hold yourself to a higher standard? Than, oh yeah, than your peers? I, I do hold myself to a higher standard uh, in a lot of aspects in my life, uh, but I, they could be higher. I've always been an athletic guy, and I've never really had to work out or work for stuff. You know, in football and track, it was kind of just natural, and I loved running, so running didn't really make a difference to me to do. Um, but now, like, I got a little older, a little lazier, I guess, and uh, I really want to crack back into, you know, somebody that's hungry, that wants to 
wants to be successful, not somebody that's already successful and think I don't I don't like being content anymore. Yeah. And I feel like I, I've been content like the last two seasons, two or three. Yeah, two seasons. Now, now you're making me reassess, dude. Yeah. I'm like, oh, great. Now I got to reassess my discipline. This is yeah. this is insane. Um, how about other areas of, of your life beyond that? Like, do you, you feel you have discipline, like with finances? Um, yeah, not, not that too. Not as much. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I don't have I don't have very good discipline when it comes to finances. Uh, I'm finally getting to the point where I, I am, uh, but. For the longest, I had this mentality that uh, you can't take it with you when you go. Yeah, and uh, I, I believed that. So I didn't like, and I figured. I mean, I ride bulls good enough. It always come. I'll always have it. Yeah, you know. Uh, and and that doesn't seem to be the case. You know, I'm still comfortable, but I'm just not where I want to be. You know, I figured at at 25, I'd be, I'd be in a big house and a big ranch and everything else. But I realized. <laughs> I, I I did not take care of myself for the longest. I mean, as far as like setting myself up for the future, and I, I really regret that too. Okay. You got time? Yeah, yeah got I got time. time. You got time? I got time. Well, with that, we'll take a mid roll break, and we will be right back. All right, and we are back with uh, Ezekiel Mitchell, uh, professional bull rider, and part of the uh, the new PBR team series with the uh, Austin uh, Gamblers. Um, you know, we talked about Hurricane Harvey, and we know that impacted your family and that impacted you, uh, but you were in a position to help, and you, you, you showed uh, quite a bit of uh, sacrifice to make sure that they were okay. I know that's not the only thing that's uh, impacted you. Um, I know in January of 2019, something unthinkable happened. You lost one of your friends, uh, Mason Lowe. Uh, how did that impact you, man? Oh, man. Uh, for I, I don't even know where to begin there, you know. Uh when he passed away, I think it just, it really shook the whole Western community. First off, like not even just just me, but you could almost feel like the life just leave the Western community that night when we found out. You know, uh, I was there. Uh, you watched? Did you watch it happen? I didn't watch it happen because literally uh, he rode right before me. Yeah, I was. And so very, you're getting I was, ready. I was. I was, I was the very next guy. Uh, so. Uh, that was, I don't know, that was a sad, sad day. Um, and it was almost more scary, like, the fact that we left that bull ride and I didn't have to get on again. And I had to literally, um, when we got back from Denver, I had to literally go straight to the practice pen and get on a bull because I felt like if I didn't get on soon or fast enough, uh, I wouldn't want to do it ever again. So, wait, he rides before you. Uh-huh. The incident happens. And you did not go next. They they stopped the, oh, yeah. the competition. Well, no, they didn't stop the competition. I still had to get on, but uh, I don't know. We didn't know the extent of what it was. So you didn't quite know. All you knew is he yeah. was injured. Yeah, at the bad. time. Yeah, I mean, we knew it was bad. Just didn't know how bad. Um, that was the scariest thing about it. You know, we we thought for sure it was just okay. You know, and at this point nothing like on the professional stage. I mean, I'm sure there's been some bull riding related mm-hmm. deaths, mm-hmm. Stuff, but like nobody'd really seen something like that since like Lane Frost. Yeah. So like I had another buddy pass away riding bulls a few years prior to that too, but like, and I wasn't there, but like for this, I was there. Uh, and I don't know that that's, it was tough. Are you, and, would you say you're still processing that to this day? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I guess I am still processing it, but uh, it was I don't know. It was it's tough. I mean, yeah. it's still tough to think about, you know. But uh, I mean, we want to say yeah, he died doing something he loves, or yeah. blah, blah blah. But it's still something that's hard to understand, which is a lot more than a lot of people can say. Yeah. Um, but you you just said something interesting. So you said once you got back from Denver you had to get on a bull as quickly as possible. That was you driving that. Yeah. That was personal to you to, yeah. to make sure that the fear didn't yeah. set in and yeah. cripple you. Yeah, that, definitely. That's, I guess that was my exact thoughts. Like, and at the time, like, uh, I ride in a helmet, uh, of course, for the PBR. I went home and he rode in a cowboy hat. So I wore my cowboy hat, got on in my cowboy hat. And, uh, I don't know. I, I just had to make sure that, I, the fear wasn't going to get to me. 
I just when and then it just kind of went back to the same routine once we got yeah. on the Bulls. But it was just it was really weird. Uh, really, it was a really tough day. I mean, just it was just tough through and through leaving Denver, being being there. I don't know it was it was a hard day. It's interesting you say that because when we would lose a guy downrange, we would try to get the guys, as we say, back out the door the next night mm-hmm. as quickly as possible to. To, to, to prevent what what you were fearful of of like that that you know rigor mortis setting yeah. in where people didn't want to go back outside the side the wire so um, you know I wonder to a degree if if it like it helps you just sort of compartmentalize that you you, you start doing what you do again you compartmentalize that and you deal with it later mm-hmm. um, but it sounds like you know you're moving forward yeah. and you're still processing that as yeah. I, as I'm still processing a lot of the deaths uh, of my brothers yeah no yeah it's, yeah it's weird. Did it also bring to, and I know you said you lost another uh, buddy before this, mm-hmm. um, is the the risk of what you guys do never lost on you? Hmm? The risk of what you guys do bull riding, is that never lost on you? Like, every, you know, I mean, you're, you're getting on, what's, what's the yeah. average, what's the average bull weight? Probably, I'm guessing about 1,500 pounds or so. Insane. They, they vary from yeah. uh, about 1,300 to 2,000 pounds or so, so. Yeah, I'd go right in the middle of that and say fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred, but uh, yeah, now it. I mean, we all, we all know like, potentially what could happen. Yeah, uh, but I've always been a firm believer in this, and uh, this is like me and my mom used to argue about. She didn't want me to ride bull, so this used to be my argument all the time. Uh, but I can I can die walking out this door and trip over a ledge or something, hit yeah. my head, and you'll never see me again. Or the fact that there's more deaths in a car, and we yes. jump in a car every day. Uh, so I, I really made it a point to say, like, I, I really don't care. I can die doing whatever. So this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Either way, I'm supposed to be riding bulls. The God gave me a passion. He gave me something that I never knew I was going to have. And, you know, He's shown me so many things, and I've got to see so much of this this country and. Hopefully I can continue seeing the rest of this world because of what bull riding's done for me. So I, I know God put me here for that purpose. And if if I have to pass away from riding bulls, then this That's is where God, God designs, this, yeah. this is where God wanted me to be. And uh, I'm happy about it. You know, I'll get to go go to heaven, hang out with Jesus. There you go, man. <laughs> well said. Um, so tell me about uh, Max Maxwell. He's uh, he's your agent. Yeah, uh, agent friend. Mentor, brother, yeah. uh, I, I can't say enough good things about him, you know. Um, and the the story uh, of us meeting is crazy. Uh, you wouldn't wouldn't even suppose that he lives in North Carolina. I'm from Texas. Yeah. I, I never would have thought that I'd even meet this guy or be on his radar. But uh, I guess uh, a few years back I did a piece with Vice Media or something like that. Yes. And, yeah. uh, and um in that piece, I was uh, coming up in the bull riding world. You know, I was really trying to get to the point I am now. And um, I said in there at some point, he was like, what did it, what did it take for you to get to the next level? And I was like, well, money, you know. Uh, if, if I can get the money to get on the road, I could take it to another level. And um, Max, I guess, went and found me off of that and looked me up on Instagram, and he commented under one of my posts. He was like, if money is the uh, if money is the problem, DM me. Yeah. yeah. So I DM'd him. Uh, a lot of stuff happened in between there. Like uh, my phone broke, so like I couldn't. I didn't talk to him for like two weeks. I was traveling up north, yep. going to some rodeos. So I didn't get to. I didn't get a phone for two weeks. And me and this guy were talking about how we're, he was going to come meet me in Houston. And uh, so I finally get a phone, text him back, and was like, "Hey, man, sorry my phone broke. I wasn't trying to ignore you." Uh, but yeah, I really could use some help. And he was like, all right, so you, you're in Houston, right? And I was like, yeah. He was like, well, I'll fly down there next week or something. We'll go have breakfast. And I was like, uh, yeah, right. This, sure. guy, this guy's, yeah. this guy's not going to come, but I was like, all right, cool. And then that, I think he was supposed to be there on a Monday and he hit me up Sunday night and was like, Hey, I'm not going to make it tomorrow. So, uh, well, let's shoot to reschedule this for Tuesday. And I was like, oh, this guy's really BSing now. But he shows up that Tuesday. We go eat breakfast, uh, and he asked me a few questions, and he was like, "All right, 
So do you think you can be at the top of your sport if you have the money? I was like, I, I don't think I know. And he was like, all right, let's get to work. So we left my little, um, I was driving a Crown Victoria at the time. Uh, yeah, my police car. And um, we left it there at that breakfast spot. They had like a little parking garage over there, and he paid a guy $20 to watch the car all day. And I jumped in with him, and we rode around town. Uh, we went and got me all new Western clothes, and then he rented out a um, a studio space, and we took pictures and headshots and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And I was like, man, this guy's for real. And uh, he was like, yeah, where, where's your next event? And helped me out, paid for me to get to Salinas, California. Uh, and then after that, I mean – we just got closer and closer and became friends and um he's really been a, a good influence on my life and uh, even now my little brother uh is living up there for the summer while he's out of school and he's helping him try to make him become a better person and a better man um and i don't know max is a great guy that's <laughs> that is so awesome that you guys met over instagram mm-hmm. it's funnier things that happen uh my partner in my leadership development and uh, executive search front firm, uh, talent work group, uh, I met him over LinkedIn. He just so happened to live in Austin. Yeah. And we've written a uh, best-selling book together and we started a company uh, together. It's, you know, that's, that's just the new age. Yeah. People meet on, on, on virtual uh, platforms. Was it, uh, was it Max who stressed the importance of social media to you? Cause I know yeah. you've got a massive following. You're probably one of the, I think I read it. You're one of the only uh, uh, writers with a dedicated social media, uh, media team. Yeah, uh, we, we, yeah, we have, a, we still have a social media team, uh, but yeah, Max is really big on on branding. Yeah, you know, and he's like, he's like, you have a prime a prime thing right here. Uh, he's like, you're you, you can you can be whatever you want to be, but like live it up, like show people who you are. He's like, uh, he felt like the PBR or it just bull riding rodeo in general. They were like, y'all do nothing for yourself. Like y'all don't, exactly y'all don't. Yeah. Nobody knows anything about you, but you ride bulls. He's like, people want to act like, uh, actually know you. Like they they want to feel like they're best friends with you. And I was like, man, I guess. And started posting and realized how much like it does impact people, and it, and it helps. You know, uh, people people want to know you, and uh, that's why I like going like live on social media and answering questions, and because uh, I, I feel like I want to know my fans too, uh, and I feel like they deserve more to know more about me. You know, I, I bet you get some heartfelt messages, mm-hmm. uh, possibly from, you know, young men who, who want to be just like you. How does that, how does that make you feel, man? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it really, it, it really makes me happy, uh, to be influencing people. You know, it, at, at first it was, it was weird for me. Yeah. It, it was really doubt. weird. And, uh, I didn't know how to re- respond or react to it. And then I started realizing like, how many how many people look up to me and uh how how I can be a positive influence on people's lives and uh just the amount of like young kids that uh I, I love telling this story now it happened recently we uh during the PBR World Finals they had the Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo over there and uh in the stockyards and I decided to go over there and watch cuz my cousin was riding mm-hmm. didn't have nothing to do during the day yeah. so I was like let's just go over there and I'm walking through, headed to the concession stand, looking down, got my head in my phone, and there's this little kid that runs up to me and hugs my leg and grabs me. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And then his mom turns around. She's like, oh, my gosh, it's you. And he's like, he loves you. You're his favorite person ever. And uh, she had to run up and go get his phone, her phone so we can take the picture. And, but he told me he loved me. And I was like, that that like really I don't know what that did to me. I, it, it, Do you feel a, a sense of responsibility to all your followers, like the way yeah. you conduct yourself and, and the the example you have to set for them? Yeah, I I try I try to be the best that I can be. I mean, of course, I'm still a 25 year old kid. I'm still gonna want to have fun. I'm still man, you're a 25 yeah. year old man. Yeah, 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 you ain't a kid anymore. I just uh, I know I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up. You know, we're yeah. we're human. We're not perfect. Damn right. But. Uh, if I can do the most, for the most part, be that good role model, uh, that that's very important to me. Hey, dude, I'm 44, and my wife will go on for days about all the mistakes I still make. So, yeah, yeah. you got to cut yourself a little bit of a, yeah. a break. Um, wait, what about the other side of social media? I have no doubt. I mean, 
hey, dude, you're, you're a good-looking uh, young man or, or girls coming every which way from you uh, over social media? No, not really. I think he's being modest. <laughs> I, think, I think he's being modest. No, yeah, it's, it's – I'm the hot TikTok cowboy now, apparently. No uh, kidding. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here with the hot TikTok cowboy. Yeah, hot do, TikTok. Wait, wait, do you dance? No. On TikTok? No. Uh, let's see. Have I done any of that? I did, like, one or two of the dances back Why in dancing? the day, but yeah. – I don't know. Uh, I, I like to dance. Like, I dance all the time. But uh, I don't know. It's something about dancing in front of a camera for me. It, it, it's a little odd. Yeah, it's yeah, a little yeah. odd. You dance on a bull. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 uh, what dancing do you like? Is it, do you like uh, country dancing or, or? I like anything, really. Yeah. I mean, you can cut a rug? Yeah, I can cut a rug there you a little go. bit. Well, dude, uh, you know, I know you got drafted uh, as the, you know, with the Austin Gamblers. You've got an amazing group of teammates mm-hmm. and one hell of a coach who I actually had on the po- podcast uh, as well. Do you call him G-Man? Yeah. G-Man. Yeah. I, and I know you knew who he was growing up. Mm-hmm. What, tell me about G-Man. I mean, is it, is it surreal that he's your coach, man? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember being a kid and like, especially when I first started watching bull riding and really getting into it, watching G-Man ride a little yellow jacket, you know, um, I, I'd always wanted to meet him. And then, uh, I guess when this team concept started coming around, he started slowly coming back in, into the world. And I was like, oh, snap. Finally get to meet him. He's just like the coolest, nicest guy ever in the world. And now to be able to work with him and, and the rest of these guys on my team, um, it's pretty amazing. And uh, I, I, that that was a huge reason why I, I actually didn't get drafted. I got picked up in free agency. Yes. And uh, that's one of the biggest dis- reasons I made the decision to come here was was him. Uh, I felt like he was like he was genuine about everything that I, he was you just took the word. I was yeah. gonna say genuinely authentic man. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it wasn't like he was he was trying to sell me or pitch me on coming over here. He was just like, "Hey, man, we really want you to be here, and if if you want to come, you, we'd love to have you." And and just left it at that. It was pretty simple. Uh, it wasn't no no gimmicks or nothing like that. He was just genuine, and I was like, "That's somebody that I, I really feel comfortable being around." and and learning from, and he's been a world champion, so he knows what it takes to be a world champion. Yeah, and that's what that's what I want to be. I want to be with winners. It, iron sharpens iron, so yeah. is one man sharpens mm-hmm. another. Uh, so I, I know you respect all your teammates. Mm-hmm. Is there one teammate in particular who you you recognize? Hey, you know what? I can actually learn a lot from this uh, from this man. I I don't think I, I could say that. Uh, I, don't, I can't really pinpoint one guy. Um, and it's crazy how how good our team is. Like the, the guys on our team is, is f- phenomenal, like top notch. Uh, I'm really privileged to be with these guys, and uh, I don't think there's one guy there that doesn't want to help build each other up. So like I think that's one of the biggest things that's going to help us be successful this year is the fact that we're we're behind each other 100. percent So uh, I know that th- this team is going to be behind each other. So. I don't know who's going to be able to teach me the most, but I'll probably be able to tell you if we do another podcast one day. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, that's fair. I'm, I'm sure you will learn from each of them. Mm-hmm. There's always one little aspect that they, they do something better than everyone else. Um, what are your predictions for this uh, this season? Um, I don't I don't want to be too cocky, but I, I really feel like the Austin Gamblers are going to take it all home, and it, it'll be pretty evident pretty quick that we're, we're here to play. You, you, you can know. bring that championship home to Austin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, and everybody, everybody's like, all they get to see is our fun, like the fun that we're having, like when we went out on the boat and all this other stuff, and all these teams are like, oh yeah, y'all are, y'all are just half-assing it or whatever. And I'm like, no, we we actually work hard. You know, yeah. it's not our fault that our coaches just let us have fun afterwards. <laughs> and, yeah. All work, no uh, fun, man. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's another fun element to our team too. Like, uh, like we work really hard, and then we all get along. So it it makes for a fun time. You work we, hard, you yeah, party hard. Yeah, yeah. We don't even have to party. We just hang out. Like we'll sit there and play blackjack with no money, and just sit around. What fun cards. is that? Yeah, I know. I, I mean, you know the name of your team is the Gamblers, right? Yeah, yeah. We need, we need. You guys got to step up the game. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to get JJ to, like, just pitch in a pot, and then we'll just play for the pot. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what uh, JJ <laughs> has to say about that. Um, well, you know, before we get to our sort of rapid-fire questions, you said you did have some aspirations beyond uh, professional uh, bull riding. I know you want to own a ranch. Um, tell me what that vision is, dude. 
Yeah. Uh, well, really, I want to. I want to. I want to own a ranch. Uh, I want to have a whole bunch of horses. You know, I, I, I'd really like to get into raising quarter horses, registered mm. quarter horses. Uh, don't really have a want to raise bulls anymore. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just gonna leave that out of there. Uh, but I also want to do some acting. I want to um, try to do some like crossover stuff. That way, like I feel like we got to move bull riding in our sport into the mainstream media. You know, um, The Rock is a huge reason why the WWE was so big is because he was that crossover guy. He brought so many eyes into that sport. And I'd like to do the same for for bull riding eventually. Hot damn, dude! Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, he's he's got a face for uh, for movies, dude. You 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 would crush it. All right. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I would love to to help there, and I may be able to connect you with some people. Not that I would ever. Uh, I I've got a face for radio, as they say, <laughs> um, which I'll always uh, stay behind behind the YouTube. Besides the YouTube, we uh, we do. Um, no man, that's that's an awesome goal. Yeah. That yeah. you again, having uh, just interviewed Dave Batista, he's you know basically said that hey, there's nothing wrong with being famous, mm-hmm. and he, he he defined it in a way of like there is a level of impact I've no I know I've had on the world when I fly to he's like Bulgaria and step off the plane and people are like oh my god it's it's you mm-hmm. so uh, the fact that you want to do it and you want to bring bull riding to the, to the mainstream is uh is awesome do we do we need to get Yellowstone to Get you out for for yep. for a scene, yep. Because they are crushing it right now. That's what I'm saying, and I'm friends with some of the people on on, on some of the shows or the 1883 spinoff of. Oh yeah, friends yeah, yeah. With a few of the, one of the, uh, a few of those guys, so got to meet those those guys, and they're pretty cool. Uh, that, that's it. That's a damn good aspiration. Seeds. I'm like, hey man, that's that's all you can do, man. Tell Taylor Sheridan that you know I'm available, and and just <laughs> continue to to to, to increase the social media following. Yep. It'll it'll happen, dude. It it will happen. Uh, do you think that you'll have to redefine yourself in a sense, picking up the the skill of acting? Yeah, uh, I, I've already, you know, I already feel like it's going to be something that I'm going to have to work at. Yeah. You know, uh, just like anything. But uh, I feel like we all think, oh yeah, I could do that because I mean, as you watch movies and stuff. But I really, uh, as I start to look in it more, look into it more, I, I think it's going to be a lot tougher than I thought. But um, I'm always up for a challenge. And uh, hopefully Westerns just stay in, in like the now. Yeah. And everybody likes Westerns, so I can just keep being a Western actor. There's nothing more American yeah. than, an, than an American cowboy, man. Yeah, see, I don't want to. I don't have to play any other parts if they just no. cast me as a cowboy. Well, <laughs> I think what, what a lot of people don't recognize because they don't know history is you go to the 19th century, what was it? Out of every five cowboys. One in four. One in four mm-hmm. was. African American. Damn right, man. Or native or Mexican. Yeah. Um, let, let's get to the rapid fire. This is right. where we put you to the test, dude. Wait. And, uh, if you need to pause to think, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, uh, let's go with this. Uh, what advice would you give somebody who ever experience experiences failure? Oh, failure is a part of everything. Uh, you, you have to fail in order to succeed. Um, I think the, the only problem is what failure is, is if you're allowed to stay, let you stay down, you know, if you can fight through it and, and come back, failure is supposed to be a part of it. Damn right. I, I couldn't have said that any better. What's the best advice you've ever received? Probably just that. Yeah. You know, uh, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to to strike out, you know, in a sense. Uh, it's all good. Just make it happen. Uh, do you like the uh, the phrase, pull yourself up by your uh, your boots? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, we often talk about, you know, the, the, the title of the podcast is The Everyday Warrior. Uh, warrior means nothing about the profession of arms. That's, that's a war fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean to you to be a warrior? Oh man. I think to be a warrior, you have to be courageous and, and resilient. You know, uh, whenever I think warrior, I, I think of the, the native Americans and just, and them being fierce yeah. and, uh, protecting what they love at all costs, you know, um, and fighting for something that's greater than yourself. I think that's what, a warrior, a true warrior is. So it sounds like you've studied Native Americans. You have a respect for their culture. Yeah. I have, yeah. yeah. So do I. Uh, what do you, what mindset do you believe is most crucial to anyone's success? Uh, positivity. I think uh, being positive is, is, is huge in anything because uh, your mind already is, is babbling you throughout the day. Like, do I look good today? Do I, 
uh, I, could I do this better? Could I do that better? You did this wrong. You did that wrong. Like your your mind's always trying to put you down. So I think like counteracting that with being positive all the time, just yeah. trying to stay positive. Eventually, you can start tricking yourself into being happier. You know, even if you're having a bad day, being faking positivity will lift your spirits. You know, yeah, it, dude, positivity. Uh, what is it? Positivity breeds positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been even in some fierce firefights where we're surrounded and one guy would crack, crack a joke mm-hmm. and it would reset everyone's mindset. Like, yeah. hey, what are we worried about? It's us. Yeah. We got this, whether we're outnumbered or not. That's, that's good. So we, <laughs> we, we end with two questions, man. Um, well, dude, let me ask this. What is your greatest accomplishment to date or what do you want your greatest accomplishment to be in life? Um, man, I, I really hope to win the world. Uh, and in doing so, that's one of my main goals is to inspire and influence people uh, because uh, I feel like up until, I mean, I know of a lot of black cowboys that are successful in rodeo, but this new age of uh, social media and uh, me having a presence there, if I win the world or, or something like that, I can be even more of an influence and people will realize like, you don't have to look like what you think uh, a bull rider is supposed to look like or a scientist or whatever you can do whatever the heck you want to do as long as you put your mind to it and, and, and you want it bad enough. Even the, the, the young girls watching this. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm ready to see a girl like step up and like become a PBR bull rider. Um, I don't know when that's going to that put be. a smile on your face. Like, yeah, hot damn. I, I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Uh, a lot of people don't like the idea of it, but, uh, I think it's cool. I, I, I can't tell anybody no, because the simple fact is that, People told me I didn't look like the part or I wasn't going to make it. No kidding. It. Yeah, so I, I didn't want Wait, we Based off the color of your skin? Yeah, I guess some of it was, you know. Um, but I, it was mostly like my elementary teachers and stuff. They, they, didn't, uh, think I, they didn't think I was going to be a cowboy or it was a stage or a phase or whatever. Hey, hey let me tell you about elementary school teachers. Uh, they are often wrong. Yeah. And we've heard this from a lot of high performers where their school teachers told their parents, this kid will never amount to anything. uh uh-huh. And they were wildly wrong. Uh, but I'll leave my commentary for uh, <laughs> uh, current elementary and grammar school uh, teachers for a later date. Um, <laughs> so two of the final questions we do is, uh, what are those, and it doesn't have to be three, those one to three things that are non-negotiable for you, that have been your keys to success. And, and when we say that, we know that you can even follow your own tenets and sometimes you end up unsuccessful. But mm-hmm. What, what, what are, what are the, the, the mindsets, the attributes that you hold dear, like discipline, things like that? Yeah. Uh, first off, like faith, uh, my faith is, is huge to me. Um, I may not be the, the most perfect Christian in the world, uh, but I, I do love, I love, I love the Lord. And, uh, and uh, I feel like uh, that that's the number one thing that holds me together. That's the glue to everything. Um, and then uh, I guess confidence probably. I feel like uh, even faking confidence sometimes. You fake know, it until you make it? Yeah, fake yeah. it until you make it. I, uh, because, I mean, especially in this sport, uh, it's easy to get torn down. Uh, I mean, you're riding something that outweighs you by 10 times, and you're, I mean, you're not really supposed to be able to do it. I mean, that's one of the coolest things about being a bull rider. It's like making the impossible possible. Like, you look at a bull, you're not going to think, like, you're supposed to. A guy's not supposed to be able to do that. Let's just be honest. Um, so, uh, I guess those are my two, my faith and my okay. confidence. I love that. Making the impossible possible. Yeah. We, I actually say that quite a bit because yeah. I served with a group of guys that you put them together, mm-hmm. they would make the seemingly impossible possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all said and done, when you look back on your life, how are you going to determine whether you've lived a life of impact and purpose? I think that's one of the biggest things in, in my life is I want to inspire because somebody's got to have drives. So there's got to be someone there in your mind that makes you want to be better. And if some people don't have a father figure or if they don't have somebody to look to, I could be that guy, you know, even if they don't know me personally, but uh, uh, they're like, I want to be like him. Brother, I can't thank yeah. you enough. And again, you. excited to watch you. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Hey, I appreciate you joining us with the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast, uh, especially sitting down here with a warrior in, in your mindset, Ezekiel Mitchell. Uh, where can they find you on social media? What are your handles? Uh, uh, my Instagram handle is the Blue Mitchell, T-H-E, Blue Mitchell. Uh, and same thing for TikTok, the Blue Mitchell, but 90 at the end. 90. 90? <laughs> yeah. 
or as he said, known as the, what type of, what was it? The TikTok? No, now the, the hot cowboy now. The, the hot, hot TikTok cowboy, cow- TikTok cowboy. Yeah. What a, uh, what a label, man. All right, guys, we will see you again next time. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. Hey, whatever platform you utilize to listen to our podcast, please, please leave a review. We read all of them. That's how we get better. And lastly, again, thank you to our sponsor, Pendleton Whiskey. We've got your six. Cheers.